Hello everybody, how is it going for you today? I am doing well and welcome to this podcast. This is the Strawberry Picks, a movie review podcast where I, the Strawberry, review a movie every week and then come to you to your listening ears and tell you what I thought about that movie. Currently, I am watching through the old classic Disney movies and they are so far really good, uh, especially the one that I am going to be talking about today. Um, but otherwise, just thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, and don't don't go away because the movie that we're going to be talking about today is really good. Um, if you want to know more on how I'm doing this podcast and what I'll be doing in the future, listen to the first episode if you haven't already. Uh, but otherwise, let's go ahead and get into the meat of this. The 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 yeah the meat the the whole. The, the big meal the 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 main course uh, the, the the you 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 know what i'm saying all right so the movie that we're going to be reviewing today is a movie that was made in 1940 it's a different film because it's not particularly a film but more of just a culmination of musical pieces uh or rather animation set to musical pieces. Of course, by now, if you've seen the title or if you figure out what I'm talking about, I am talking about the one and the not only, but Fantasia. Now, as I said before, Fantasia is a movie that is not really a film per se. Uh, the movie itself is actually more, a, well, like I said, it's more of uh, animation that is set to music, um, more specifically classical music, uh, things that were made hundreds of years ago by the likes of Beethoven and Bach and uh, uh Tchaikovsky, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, it's like some, it's some Russian name, uh, Tchaikovsky or something. Uh, I apologize if I pronounce that wrong. Um, now, Fantasia was. It's uh, where its whereabouts on like how it came to be is very interesting. Uh, basically, in 1936, Walt Disney felt that the Disney Studios star character, the one, the only Mickey Mouse, kind of needed a boost in popularity because whether it be from the cartoons or whatever, he he, he was starting to become less and less popular. So he felt that you know he he needed to put him in something. So they were going to make uh, a like a cartoon short of some kind called The Sorcerer's Apprentice, where they would have the music The Sorcerer's Apprentice by Paul Dukas uh, to accompany this um, animation that tells the story of uh, this apprentice of a wizard um, who gets this spell wrong and then uh, doesn't know how to fix it and then gets into a lot of trouble. Um, which I think is a interesting choice for the Sorcerer's Apprentice, um, or sorry, not for this. I, I think it's a very interesting choice for a story as far as like you know, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse needs a, a little boost in popularity. What should we have him do? Uh, we should have him uh, get a magical hat and then mess everything up, and, and just completely just mess everything up and and fail. 
that sounds good. L- let's do that. So I, I, I just find it interesting. Um, and uh, it says that um, the, the concept of matching animation to classical music uh, was used as early as 1928 in the Dis- in Disney cartoon series, such as uh, Silly Symphonies. Um, and of course, if you've seen, you know, older cartoons uh, from Disney or like from Warner Brothers that does uh, Merry Melodies or something like that, then you know that this is really true. Um, and of course, these Merry Melodies or Silly Symphonies can be about just just about everything um, or just about anything rather. Now, one thing that I definitely find interesting about this movie, or, or rather uh, my familiarity on the movie, um, to kind of give you an idea, uh, before watching this movie, I, I always think to myself, like, hmm, what do I know about this movie going into it? Like, wh- what do I remember from possibly seeing it in my childhood or something? Because, you know, everybody knows something about every single Disney movie to some degree, except for, like, the really lesser known ones, which nobody knows about. Um, which I'll be getting into in the next couple weeks because the ones that I see coming up ahead are things I've almost never heard of before. Um, But going into Fantasia, all that I really knew was, of course, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I I mean, everybody knows that movie. That's what this movie is famous for. It's on the box art. I mean, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Come on. when you think of Fantasia, that's what you think about. Uh, and then I also remember at one point there was dinosaurs or something, but that was like the only thing that I remember from this movie was the Sorcerer's Apprentice in most of its entirety, and then at some point dinosaurs. Um, and to that degree, I wasn't wrong. Uh, at one point, there is a song that uh, has dinosaurs in it, but the way that they get to it is interesting. Um, so the movie opens up with a live action sequence, uh, that you'll see throughout the movie kind of introducing, uh, these, uh, these musical pieces. Um, and it's this, it's this guy, I forgot his name, that comes up and introduces you to everything. Now... One of the critiques that I have for this movie that relates to both the beginning and mostly the entire movie is that it's it's really it drags on basically it, every every single song that they do with the exception of a couple uh, it, it feels like they go on for longer than they should. Um, for instance, uh, none, none of the actual music starts until seven minutes into the movie, which might not seem like a long time, but when everything leading up to that is just the orchestra getting set up and then uh, this guy coming up for a couple of minutes and telling you what's going to happen and then introducing the musical piece um, and then you finally get into the music, it, I mean, it drags on. And that's kind of a theme throughout uh, all of the songs kind of seem like they should end in one place but then they keep on going just a little bit longer and it, it doesn't feel right um 
Now that that could be because I'm conditioned to songs of you know modern day, which are only like three to four minutes long, not pieces that are like seven to eight minutes long or something like that, um, which is something that I find interesting and almost even reflects our culture nowadays. That uh, you know we have shorter attention spans, so of course our songs are going to be shorter because you need to just pump out entertainment and dangling keys entertainment as fast and as much as you can um, because that's what you know today's society thrives upon um, but anyway so uh, there's there's the live action action bit and he introduces the piece and the first piece that you're introduced to um, is called Toccata in Fuge uh, in D minor by let me see if I pronounce this right Johann Sebastian Bach oh right Bach <laughs> um, so the, uh, this piece was made by the ever-famous Bach, um, and the animation that goes with it um, is interesting. I, I don't find it particularly entertaining, but I think that's okay for this piece. What I mean by that um, is that there's it's just a bunch of shapes and colors and uh, movement that goes on in time with the music. And although it seems very bland, if you would just listen to, or if you would just watch the animation and that's it, listening it in time with the music, it kind of gets you into this mood that is Fantasia like yeah it's it's long yeah it's slow yeah it's not that great but it's in time with the music and it kind of just immerses you into this just this feeling of huh okay I, I I think I can understand this 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 is nice this is nice um and then the the song kind of goes on for a bit, and then it's over, and it's like, yeah, all right, I I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, what, what else you got for me? Um, and then uh, and then the next song that they introduce you to is the ever famous Nutcracker Suite by Pyotr uh, Lich. Tchaikovsky. I am apologizing because I know that I butchered that name, but you guys know the Nutcracker Suite. I'm sure of it. You, you've heard of it before, um, whether in its entirety or just small bits like the Sugar Plum Fairy Dance or something like that. Um, and this segment is my absolute favorite of the entire uh, film uh, or experience or whatever. I'll I'll get into the specifics on what this movie is later. Um, But the reason why I like it so much is I'm not, I don't know. I think, I think it's because that I know the song Um, or rather I recognize it to the point where I enjoy it because it's something that I know that is put to animation that, that has like characters and dancing and moving around and such a beautiful and elegant way. And you know, the stuff that Disney does best. Um, and I, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, and what really made me smile was when they get into, like, like uh, I, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but they get into this big, powerful da 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 um, 
and and then you see like all these flowers just doing like a kick line of some kind and uh, jumping around each other and like a bunch of flowers come in and everything's just happy and bouncing and everything's going great and uh, like I just see that and it's putting a smile to my face because I'm like yes yes keep going let's do it. yeah 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 um, and it's just, it's just such a good feeling um, and like the and the build up to that is just masterfully done with like this story of like these fairies that wake up in the middle of the night and then they go around putting dew on all of the flowers grass cobwebs and stuff like that um and then it kind of gets into like oh there are these mushrooms now they're dancing and it's kind of cute they have like a little character in it that tries to fit in and stuff and um and then they go like underwater and it's like this completely different feel and um and i think like this song kind of sums up what I would like Fantasia to be, um, is just this quick, these quick sections of just different kinds of music put to animation, and you're just experiencing it one after the other, boom, 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 and you just keep on getting these new experiences, these new feelings uh, of just, like, what is going to happen next. I don't know, but I'm excited to see it. That's the kind of thing that I want this movie to be. Now, as you figured, as you probably figured out, because I'm saying want to be, that's not exactly what the movie is, and this is true, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but you'll you'll see why I say this as I go on. Um, and uh, after the <laughs> great Nutcracker Suite, Nutcracker, um, we get the. <laughs> the ever famous The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I know I'm going to say ever fav- famous a lot, but really there's only like a couple of these that are actually famous. Um, but The Sorcerer's Apprentice is, you know, I mean, everybody knows it. It's the one with Mickey and uh, it's 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 all right. Um, but the thing about The Sorcerer's Apprentice is that, okay, everybody recognizes with it because Mickey is in it. But I don't think that it is the best uh, one in there. I don't think that it's even the second best. Um, the reason why I say this is that it it, it feels like a short, um, which is not a bad thing. Like, I know that there are multiple ones of these that are supposed to be just a short, but this one specifically tells a story and it it kind of feels out of place and i think part of this has to do with you know this whole idea of fantasia kind of started from sorcerer's apprentice and because of that everything else that came after it kind of surrounding the sorcerer's apprentice that was put in afterwards is different in a way that's kind of it's it's just so much different from everything else in the in the film that you don't really know what to think of it. So all in all, I think it's an okay short. Um, like I'd say, it could even hold up in today's standards of you know a a decent animated short. The problem is, is that in the context of the rest of this film, which is mostly interpretations of music and animation, it doesn't exactly fit. Um, 
And the, like the the reason that they give is that this song is supposed to tell a story. As a matter of fact, the music that was composed for this, called The Sorcerer's Apprentice by Paul Dukas, um, was made to accompany this story of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which was made apparently thousands of years ago. Um, and, and that idea is good, but it's the only one that does this. Um, for instance, uh, in, in the very beginning, the narrator says that you're going to hear three types of music, um, three types of music and animation. Uh, you're going to see uh, one. Uh, you're, you're going to see ones that are just just music with thoughts and ideas put into it of what we think happened. Um, and the second one is something like it doesn't tell an actual story, but it tells an idea and it has the interpretation of a story. And then there is one that is a definite story. Um, and that third one, I think, only can apply to the Nutcracker Suite and maybe one other one, but I'm not sure. Uh, and I'll get to it after a bit. Now, after the Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, we get to um, the Rite of or Rite of Spring by Igor Stravinsky. Um, now, this one. This one might cause a bit of controversy. Now, when, when I look at like what kind of controversy came from this, this this song's not mentioned at all. But I think that it's interesting because they introduce it as like art didn't create this song, science did. Um, because the the way that the song was originally supposed to be interpreted is as a series of tribal dances but disney interpreted it as um as the evolution of everything from billions of years ago. Now, I am a Christian and, you know, I, I kind of debate over what is, you know, the creation and stuff. And um, I have multiple theories, but I haven't settled on any one thing just yet because, you know, when you hear multiple ideas that all sound correct, then you kind of have to think it over front with yourself. Um, but, you know, of course, one of the ideas that are out there is the idea that the Earth is billions of years old um, and that the time that it took to, uh, for life to not only exist, but then to grow into amphibious creatures that eventually walked onto land and then eventually turned into dinosaurs, which were eventually extinct, that eventually turned into the modern day creatures that we have today is this well i mean it's the story that's being told here um so i went into this kind of with a bit of skepticism because you know i i, do, I don't know if i if i want to think that this happens or not but either way i find it almost jarring that disney is kind of proclaiming that either this is what happened or this is what they're trying to say because it doesn't just feel like a hey this song was just inspired by this they specifically say this song was not made by art but by science so it's it's almost a, a little bit offensive, um, and I'm I'm not one to take uh, to take offense to a lot of things, but when you try to force some kind of belief down my throat, it doesn't feel right, and I do get offended by that. Um, but regardless, the actual the actual story that's told and the actual animation and all that is not bad. 
It does. This is one of the first ones uh, in the film, though, that suffers from it goes on way too long. Uh, the basic story is that uh, you're out in space, kind of floating through space for about a solid minute or so. Um, and when you finally come upon uh, this planet that is covered with volcanoes and fire and just rock, fire, and volcanoes, <laughs> that's it. Um, and of course, we're supposed to see this as Earth before any life forms appeared on it. Uh, and then the lava kind of boils over and then spills into uh, the ocean, creating a bunch of steam. And then eventually, somehow, life is formed on these like tiny microscopic forms that eventually grow and turn into uh, bigger aquatic life. And then eventually, you see like this one kind of fish type thing um, that evolves evolves into having like four legs or something that eventually kind of slightly crawls onto uh, the surface and then we see dinosaurs um, and then kind of tells this little story about oh the dinosaurs are here the, and now they're eating oh no there's a big t-rex and he's coming to kill everyone inside everybody run oh no oh no he killed something oh that's not good oh that's tired that's bad that's bad uh, and then at some point, um, uh, at, at some point, you know, they all run out of water. And this is another reason why I say they're kind of shoving this th uh, these beliefs down uh, my throat or whatever. Um, because at one point they said that some scientists believe that uh, all of the dinosaurs were wiped out by a giant dust bowl. Um, n now, okay, I don't take offense to this one. Um, particularly because I almost find it funny. Uh, because you have to realize, you know, this whole thing was made in 1940, which was a few decades after the Dust Bowl in, like, I don't know, 1910, 1920-ish. Um, or maybe even, well, it was around that time. Um, and so I kind of find it funny that, you know, something happens to the earth and then a lot of people think, oh, well, if it happened now, then it must have happened earlier. Let's uh, let's latch it on to something that was significant. Um, for instance, nowadays, a lot of people or scientists are kind of discovering that maybe dinosaurs had feathers um, or like they were covered in feathers or maybe even fur and stuff. And that kind of just blows everybody's mind, but they don't want to accept it. So even depictions of dinosaurs nowadays are the same because people don't want to change what they think. Um, but I don't, I don't want to get too deep with this. So... So the actual uh, story goes on and they all run out of water and there's a bunch of dust and so they just start walking and try to find more water. And then they all die. <laughs> and it, it's it's kind of interesting because it kind of just drags on. Um, you, you see them run out of water and they're looking and they're looking for more water and stuff and then they keep on walking and then some dinosaurs fall over and then they keep walking and then some more dinosaurs fall over and then they keep walking and now they're all fossils. Um, and then the song ends. It, it, it ends with the sun overhead with everything, a dust bowl, and then it ends. And... It, it's kind of jarring. Um, 
<laughs> so, and what's more interesting, specifically about this song, and kind of about this movie as well, is that right after this song, there's an intermission, a 15-minute intermission. Now, the the movie that I watched on didn't actually have the intermission to be 15 minutes long, um, but I do find it interesting that, you know, this kind of ties into the whole aspect of this isn't really a film. Um, and, and although I'm basically just I'm just going to go into that right now. This movie is not a film. It does not tell a story. It does not have a beginning, middle, and end, although you can argue that through the choice of songs and where they're put. Um, But rather, it feels like you're attending a concert of sorts. A concert where music is playing, and then there's a video in the background or somewhere that kind of accompanies this music. And as you watch it, you're entertained by just the spectacle of this classical music being accompanied by this animation that is interpreting the music to some degree. And that idea of in itself is really cool. Um, it's it's a really fun idea, and it works um, most of the time. It, it, and the reason why I say most of the time is because if you drag it on for too long, then it gets boring, and then you kind of phase out and not pay attention, um, and then you kind of just, I, I don't know. I, I was having trouble staying awake at one point, so there is that. Um, but, yeah, there's this intermission, and I, I really do like the idea. I really do. Um, the execution on it was mediocre, um, but it's a really good idea that it – I mean it has all of this acclaim of like it is a historical movie that will be remembered for all of time and that I can agree upon mostly because um, – as as the two previous movies that I've seen, being Pinocchio and possibly Snow White, they hold up. Um, well, maybe not Snow White as much, but especially Pinocchio and Fantasia hold up today. And what I mean by that is that you could show this in a theater somewhere, and then knowing that it was made earlier, it it's really impressive to see that it still works in today's setting. So that in of itself is really cool. Um, so, and then uh, a, a kind of funny thing actually happens before the evol- uh, the uh, rite of spring uh, begins, and as uh, the narrator is talking, all of a sudden you hear this this crash, bang, and uh, just everything going awry, and. Uh, Everybody is like, what's going on? And you see that uh, there are these chimes that fell over, and then they're all trying to, like, pick them back up and put them back on. And I just find that really hilarious because a a part of me thinks that, you know, that was intentional and it's supposed to be found funny because it was all intentional. But another part of me thinks that it was completely by accident when they were filming and they just went with it because they found it hilarious. Um and so it's it's a really funny moment and i i i it, it, well yeah it was funny um so then go, going forward uh, after the intermission we kind of uh, they, they come back, they talk for a bit, and then they bring in this little segment that uh, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but they talk to, quote-unquote, the soundtrack. Um, 
which is a little animation of this line, this sound wave line that kind of comes in uh, and is apparently timid. Um, and then the narrator is like, all right, show us what a violin sounds like. And then it plays the violin and there's a little shape that appears on the sound wave. And then it, they go through like all of the instruments and um, kind of just, it's, it's a fun little thing. Um, and then after that, uh, they go into the next actual piece called the Pastoral Symphony by Ludwig van Beethoven, um, which, yes, you know, it's Beethoven. Everybody knows Beethoven. Um, now, the way that they interpreted this song, uh, I don't remember how it's originally. Oh, right. Uh Beethoven originally wrote this song uh, to be interpreted as kind of like a countryside of some kind. Um, like w when I when I originally thought of it as a song for a countryside, I was thinking like an overhead shot of um, you know going over like these green hills and seeing farms and stuff, and uh, just seeing like the countryside and all the animals and fields and stuff. And it's a it's a really nice picture. Um, but Disney interpreted it differently. Instead, they interpreted it as a mythological story of uh, unicorns, fawns, pegasi, uh, and uh, the mythical Greek gods. Uh, specifically, um, if I can find the names real quick. Well, um, there was like the god of wine, uh, there was Zeus, um, and speaking of which, the, the god of wine? Really? I, I don't know, I, I just find it funny that, um, I, I mean, he was, he was supposed to be the comedic character, so I guess that makes sense. Um, and let's see, yeah, uh, Bacchus, Bacchus? Um, <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it, and all of the uh, uh, animals and stuff like that are kind of gathering for a festival to honor the god of wine, Bacchus. Um, but then they're interrupted by Zeus, who kind of uh, creates this whole storm because, you know, Zeus. And uh, then there's this guy named Vulcan who is making lightning bolts, who he then gives to Zeus. And then they... Zeus just starts throwing the lightning bolts at like uh, at everybody, but most importantly Bacchus, because I don't know Zeus hates the god of wine apparently, um, who also apparently the, the, apparently the god of wine also has this chalice of infinite wine. Uh, and I, I, it, it's not explicitly stated, but you always see him holding this chalice, and it's chal and that, that that chalice is always full of wine, even when it's turned upside down at one point. And I just I find that to be kind of interesting, just a small little detail. Um, but then there's this one scene in this song that I it bothers me. It it bothers me a lot. And it's the scene with the centaurettes. Yes, they're called the centaurettes, um, which is the female race of the centaurs. And we are first introduced to them by way of bathing. Uh, and you'd think, oh, well, no, 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 no. This is Disney. The, they'll, the, the, they'll censor everything. It'll, it'll be fine. Uh, not exactly. Um, the centaurettes don't specifically have 
uh, they don't, they don't specifically have nipples, but they do have breasts, and they are there. And I had a hard time watching this scene because they just. Tr- I mean, obviously they don't sexualize it, which I which I very much appreciate. But they're still there, and it's. It's distracting and it bothers me that they put this uh, into this film, this kind of, you know, this theatrical experience of some kind. And I don't know. And and this is also kind of a theme throughout most of the movie. Like, this is not a film made for children. Um, and And it's not explicitly not a film for children. It's just... It does what it wants to do. Um, when it interprets music, it interprets music to its chorus form. There is no kind of, uh, there is no uh, um, intense censorship or anything like that. There's no corporate or whatever that's telling them, no, you can't do that. They're, they are just doing whatever they want to do. And that in itself is great. I'm, I really appreciate that they do that. But the fact that they had that, and there's one other scene that kind of has this, really bothers me. Um, but moving on, uh, there is there is this really cute scene where uh, the Pegasus family, um, it, they, like one of them has a new child and the the little Pegasi tries to start flying and then, then, it, then it falls down to the ground and, and then its mother comes around and picks it back up and says, no, you, no, you can do it, do it, go, go, go. Um, and then it starts to fly and it's a really cute moment and you kind of get attached to these characters and it's really nice. Um, and even with the centaur red, and, and and this is another reason why it bothers me um, is that if they left them, you know, you know, partially naked and they just that's who they were. That's what they were. And that's it. It would be fine. I would be able to accept it. But right after you see them bathe, you see them put on these clothes of some kind to kind of cover their chest areas. And this, I mean, it, spe- it specifically tells you and it specifically implies that, you know, they have breasts that if the if men were to see these, then they would get sexually attracted to them in a way that they don't want. So they must cover it up so that that will not happen. But the fact that they showed that to the audience bothers me. And I'm apologizing that I'm talking about this so much, but it's just something that stood out to me that it, well, yeah, it bothers me. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, Zeus comes in and throws all the lightning bolts, and uh, even the narrator says that, like, he plays darts. Um, And uh, then the story kind of ends as, like, you know, Zeus goes away, he falls asleep, uh, and then night comes along, and then there's a couple of other gods, like uh, the sun god or whatever um, uh, rides on his sun chariot and goes away, and then uh, the cloak of night by, like, I think Morpheus, the god 
out of sleep kind of comes over uh, making the sky dark and then there's another guy that's like on the moon that uses the new moon as a bow to fire a fire arrow that puts stars in the skies because of sparks and then everybody goes to sleep and then the song's over and and it's it's nice like I do think that this is one of the better songs um, outside of you know the whole centaurettes thing because there is this whole thing with the centaurs and centaurettes uh, that is like there are these baby like creatures that I forget their names but they're like Cupid um, that kind of dress up the ladies to look good for the men and then the men come along as men do and uh, then they kind of like try to find mates and then at one point there's this one uh, centaur that's kind of lonely can't find anybody and all the babies and stuff are like oh no that's so sad but then they see this other centaurette who's also lonely and and so they go get the centaurette bring him to the centaur and it's happily ever after. Bing, bang, boom. Um, and so, yeah, it was a good one. Uh, I, I kind of, it was, it was nice. Uh, and then the next song that they bring in is called the Dan- or Dance of the Hours by Amilcare a- Poncelli. Yeah, something like that. Um, probably another, you know, Italian name or something, but I don't know. Um and it's supposed to be a ballet uh, that is uh, because it's called Dance of the Hours. Uh, it begins with kind of it's supposed to introduce like it's a delicate piece because it's in the morning, and then it's a little bigger because it's the noon, and then it's a little more delicate because it's the evening, and then it's scary because it's the night. Um, and uh, those four sections kind of you know they play on. Um, and so, <laughs> if I may, just um, it's it's uh, it's interesting because the way that they do this is supposed to be comical, um, but it doesn't entirely work. But let me, let me just read uh, the description of this song. It is a comic ballet in four sections. Madame Apanova and her ostriches for mourning. Uh, Hyansith Hippo and her servants for the afternoon. Uh, Elephant. Elephantine and her bubble-blowing elephant troop for the evening, and Ben Alligator, that's three names, Ben Alligator, uh, and his troop of alligators for the night. Uh, The finale finds all of the characters dancing together until the palace collapses. Um, And as we... that's all, uh, that description sounds ridiculous because the animation that goes with it is also kind of ridiculous. Um, and th- I would enjoy th- I would enjoy this song. It would be a good song if it didn't drag on for so long. <laughs> um, and at, at first it's kind of okay, whatever. The they get up, they they go out, and then they start dancing, and then they introduce a new character, and they get up, and they go out, and then they're dancing, and then they have a new character, and they get up, and they go around, and they dance, and then they have another character, and they get up, and they dance, and then they they're apparently the bad guys, and then they're going around, and they're trying to you know eat the elephants and the hippos because they're crocodiles or something, and and then uh, suddenly they're dancing together and everything's happy or something or I something like that. And, and then they zoom out and then they shut the doors and the palace collapses. And that's, that's the whole thing. 
Uh, I so, I'm sorry if I sound like I'm kind of out of it. I stayed up until like 3 a.m. last night, so I'm, I'm a bit out of it right now. Um, but yeah, th- that one was okay. Um, that was also the one that I kind of had a hard time staying awake from, and I actually had to take a small break uh, after that one before they went on. Um, and the one that they finish with, I think is one of the better ones. Uh, this one I did enjoy, um, and it's Night on Bald Mountain by Modis Musogra, or Morsolski, Mor- Mor- something like that, and then Ave Maria by Franz Schubert. Um, now, the reason why I put those two together is because it is just one string of animation with those two songs that, quote, go together so well. Um, now, as far as, like, the story that's told, um, it's good. I, I enjoyed some of it, um, but I think this song suffers the most from it drags on too long. Um, because Night on Bald Mountain is a song that you you think you recognize and then you hear the main melody and you're like, yes, I know that. Yeah, yeah, this is great. This is a good melody. All right, let's do this. Yeah. Um, but then the actual melody that you know is only in the actual song like three times for a small portion of it. And when it happens, it's really cool and fun, but the rest of it is kind of just meh. Like, it's just kind of there. And uh, the story that it tells is, like, uh, there's this devil called uh, Chernabog that uh, um, that he wakes up in the middle of the night or midnight and then sum- summons all of these evil spirits uh, and then forces all of them to kind of dance and then tortures some of them and stuff like that. Uh and then morning comes along with these bells, and uh, then you know Ave Maria starts playing, and it's the only song in uh, this entire film that actually has vocals to it, which I do think is a nice touch. Um, anyway, uh, so in in. When I said that there was another part that kind of had this censorship problem, this was the other one because there's a specific scene in it where all of the kind of demons and stuff fly away from the mountain for some reason and you specifically see these uh, succubus or something that fly up to the camera and you specifically not only see their breasts but their nipples as well. And... I don't know. I'm just, I'm just surprised. You know, I'm, I'm surprised that Disney had this in a film that they made in like their early days. Um, in the same year, in fact, that Pinocchio was made. You know, because they were both made in 1940, or they both released in 1940, rather. Um, and it, I, I don't know. It, it just surprises me. But. Um, one of the cool things about this is that, uh, you know, the, the the melody that you're familiar with, with Night on the Bald Mountain, is it is really cool. And when they, the animation that goes with it is always really nice. Um, and then when Ave Maria comes in, you hear like these bells tolling and uh, Chernabog kind of, you know, shields himself from the light that, shi- that shines because of the bells. And... 
it's a, it's a really nice moment because there's all like this intense uh, animation and I- intense music that's going on, and then it kind of just fades away, and it's just this nice, <sighs> nice feeling um, that you get, um, and and then you kind of hear this nice soft melody. And then you keep hearing this nice soft melody. And then you see these monks or something, these lights kind of walking. And then you see them walking more. And then you hear this nice melody. And then the chorus kind of comes in. And then you they keep on singing. And then you see monks walking by. And then you hear this nice melody. And then you hear the soloist come in and singing Ave Maria. Like once. Uh, and then you see monks that are walking. And then you come up to this cliff. And you hear this nice melody, and then you see the sun, and you hear this nice melody, and then you see the sun set with this nice melody, and then everything fades to dark. And that's it. Yeah, so that's kind of, I don't know, I think that this song, or this animation, this one that they showed last, kind of sums up what this whole film is. Now, I, I said before that nut, the Nutcracker Suite uh, song animation thing um, is what I would like this whole thing to be, but Night on the Bald Mountain with Ave Maria kind of represents what this whole movie was. Although that there are some cool moments that will make you smile from ear to ear and make you appreciate classical music and animation of that time, it also kind of drags on for a bit and has some things in it that are questionable at best. Um, and it just drags on for so long to the point where you're not paying attention. And then it kind of is just anticlimactic in the end. There's not really anything that happens. It's just kind of an experience. And that kind of sums up this entire movie. Um or film, experience, whatever you want to call it. Uh, because all in all, this is a series of shorts that uh, accompany classical music made by famous people. And some of it you may recognize, some of it you may not, some of it you will appreciate, some of it you will not, some of it goes at a really good pace, some of it drags on for eternity. And in the end, it just kind of doesn't really do much. And and the way that I think about this movie is that, you know, it's okay. I don't think that it should get all of the praise that it's getting, but for what it signifies and for what it did in the time being one of the first films to do this, I do think that it is deserved to be called a historical film. Um... A, a historical film of its time and forever. It will always be remembered as this great film that happened in this time and will always be remembered, um, which I'm very happy for Disney to keep on going with this trend of just making movies that people will remember from time on. Um, now, the point where this stops is going to happen at some point. I know that I've looked I've looked through the list 
I've looked through it, um, and there are some movies that I either don't recognize or I don't particularly like or they're just boring. Um, And when we get there... I don't know what I'm going to think. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try to push through it to give you guys some good quality entertainment, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what these films are like. Um, and and yeah, that's that's about it. <sighs> anyway, thank you for listening in to the Strawberry Picks, this movie review podcast with I, the Strawberry, blah, 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 blah. Um, and thank you again, once again, for listening to this podcast. Um, I am glad that you listened all the way over to this minute mark, whatever it may be. But I know that it's it's always pretty long, but I go on for a long time because I talk about these movies because I'm passionate about movies. I like talking about them because I know like I, I want to know what is good about movies. I know want to know what is bad for movies. I want to know who did movies well, who did them bad, so on and so forth. And I want to share this knowledge with you, the audience, the listeners. I want to show you kind of not only Disney maybe, but um, just kind of in general why some movies are good and why some are better than others and stuff like that. So yeah, thank you for listening in. Uh, I am glad that uh, you listened, and then come back next week when we watch one of the movies, another movie that is very famous for Disney, that one, the one, the only, Dumbo. Once again, thank you all for listening all the way up to the end here. Uh, As a little reward for listening up to the very end, I have included the entire length of the Sorcerer's Apprentice song written by Paul Dukas. Enjoy!